St. Joseph Radio presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe. Looks like you're ready. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. I am your host today, Peter Karutz, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We are in studio with my good friend, Ray Gerard. Hello, Peter. Hi, Ray. And uh, we have a couple of surprises, but the name of the program is... Little Things and Big Things. Yeah. And so appropriate because it has a great tie-in to this great feast we have tomorrow, Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Kind of a little bit of Latin there. One of the, I don't know if you can rank feast days during the year, but Big one. I think certainly one of the biggest... Uh, you know, it celebrates what? The source and the summit of right. our you know, Catholic faith. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, the body and blood of Christ. The real presence, the yeah. body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it is what makes us a little bit different, right? You know, our Protestant brothers believe the Eucharist is just a symbol. And, well, quite frankly, it is for them. It is just a symbol, but uh, oh, because they people, don't... Yeah, a lot of people think it's foolishness. I mean, yeah. there's a guy, probably the foremost uh, atheist in the world, uh, if I can lay that title on him, uh, for, I guess, several decades. He's a uh, uh, British... Um, He's a he's a professor. He uh, I think Cambridge. Um, I think a geneticist, uh, biological professor by uh, you know by trade. Um, that's his specialty. His name is Richard Dawkins. Oh yeah. And uh, so, anyways, it was in 2012, and there was a celebration, some kind of festival in Washington D.C. celebrating human reason. Uh huh. And so he was speaking on the Mall uh, to uh, in Washington D.C. to a crowd, and he was talking. And he, of all people, spoke about the Eucharist. Look at that. And he said, he said, you know. If you run into a Catholic person, just ask them, do you really believe that little round wafer is the God of the universe? I mean, come on. Do you really? You're going to tell me to my face that you actually believe that stuff? 
And he said, most people, I don't know, if he, maybe he did, maybe he didn't say, you know, most people. But anyways, I guess you're expecting if you do that, if you challenge somebody, that you might get some kind of a defensive answer. Or something. Yeah. But he said, but if you run across somebody who actually says, yes, I believe, he said, then mock them. Just mock them. And uh, so, you know, he's, and he got a big round of applause. Oh, I bet he did. You know, so, yeah, it seems like foolishness to a lot of people and something that, you know, should earn crazy Catholics like us uh, derision and scorn. Well, good. But, let, it, let it come. Yeah. Yeah. But it also happens to be the truth. It is. And, and you know, let's. Instead of isolating it, and we want to get to, to your talk here <laughs> as we take a side road, but let's let's not let's expand it from as he said. Do you believe this little wafer is the God of the universe? Let's pause on that for a moment. So, believers believe that God created all things, and even science believes now that all things were created from basically nothing, right? Ex nihilo. So we believe that the God of the universe created time and matter and space, and he created it from nothing, and he caused it to expand and be everywhere, not everywhere, but expand and congeal. And we, as believers, believe that our Lord hears our prayers, each of us individually. Well, what's, what's so hard to believe that he could make himself present? Yeah. In the Eucharist. And look, if we are Bible-believing Christians, John 6 says exactly that. Now, Jesus said it. We believe in Christ. If you're a, a, a Christian, it isn't hard. Now, when Dawkins was talking, I bet you there was a lot of uh, Christians clapping. That applause didn't come from all atheists. Yeah, probably so. so. Probably so. But, you know, the, what, what impresses me is, I mean, if you believe in Christ, if you believe that the Bible uh, records what Christ said. The inerrant God-breathed word. Then, you know, if, I think it's the Gospel of Matthew at the very end where he says, the last words he says before he ascends, I will be with you to the end of the age. Right. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, it could mean that he'll be with us in a spiritual sense, but it makes a whole lot more sense when, you know, he's really with us. There's a reason why, you know, he did the Last Supper. There's a reason why he said the things he said at the Last Supper. He wasn't just kidding around, you know. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, so many people that don't appreciate it. But if you open your heart up to the idea... It can it can really you know you know flood into you. It's I mean it's a beautiful beautiful thing. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know we're just uh, just incredibly lucky about it. And you know what the funny thing about it is, yeah it's hard to believe, but there's so much evidence that it's true. There are so many things that have happened. There's like 140. Eucharistic miracles that have been approved by the Vatican. Yeah, right. Big and, ones. And yeah, they, they, they span the range. I mean, they're so dramatic. Um, but there's one that I know of that has not been approved. Oh. It's a personal anecdote. Um, but it comes with some corroboration, some actual corroboration. Uh, there's a, and it involves, I don't know, maybe it's just a coincidence, Corpus Christi Sunday. Look at that. How about that? So, um, anyways, uh, there's a guy, his name is Michael Forrest, and he's a professional pianist. And uh, he's a, he was a Baptist. He was brought, uh, raised Baptist, uh, convert to the Catholic faith. His wife was to blame for that. She was a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
So he accepted all of these Catholic teachings as he entered the church, but there was one of them that he still had a problem with, one of them that he still couldn't quite get his, his mind around, so to speak. And that was this whole idea of God really being present in the Eucharist, the transubstantiation. And so he's struggling with this idea, and he had been praying for some help with that. Uh, strangely enough, he would get uh, an answer to his prayer in a way that he never could have imagined. So there's this one Sunday, and they're getting ready to go to Sunday Mass. And so it's him, his wife. His wife's in the backseat of, they had a Dodge Caravan. And uh, this was uh, June 9th, 1996, actually. And I think it was in Ohio. But uh, they're loading the kids into the Dodge Caravan. His wife's in the back seat, and he's buckling his oldest son into the front seat. And he's got his left hand on the center beam, uh, the beam between the front door and the, and the side door. He's got his hand on that beam of the car. He's got his other hand, his right hand, uh, in the car, buckling uh, his son into his seat. As he's doing that, his wife in the back seat closes this sliding side door. Oh. And she closes it hard enough that it completely latches. Oh no. With his hand in the with his hand with his hand in the door frame. So he starts screaming. And he was in shock. And he heard somebody screaming <laughs> and was wondering who it was. And then it finally dawned on him that it was that it was he that was screaming that he was hearing hearing himself. Anyway, so he finally manages to get this door open. He looks at his hand. It's swollen to twice its normal size. Oh, yeah. There's blood dripping down his palm. I mean, there's, you know, it's gushing. And uh, so they quickly make plans. They're going to drop the kids off at, you know, his brother-in-law's. Right. And then they're going to rush themselves to the hospital. The hospital right. And then he says he felt a compulsion. Right. And I guess that word was, a, was particularly chosen. That's how it felt to him. He felt a compulsion to go into the house and pray. Hmm. So that's what they did. And at the end of that prayer, another idea just sort of came to him. And so he told his wife, no, I think we still need to go to Mass. And she was like, you want to do what? Excuse me. Crazy, um, yeah. do, you not, do you not know about this, this place they call a hospital? Yeah. You know, maybe we should go there instead. Uh, but he says, no, I want to go to Mass. So they drop the kids off at the in-laws and go to Mass, just the two of them. I guess they drop the kids off at the in-laws because they figure, well, as soon as they get done with Mass, then they're going to go to Mass. Right, right, yeah. So they go to Mass, and now they're late because all this had happened. And so they sit in the very you know, last pew at the back of the church. And um, the time comes for the priest to give his homily. And he's kind of, and Michael Forrest, this guy Michael, he's amazed. He's like, this guy is speaking with passion and conviction about this thing that I've been struggling with so much, about the Eucharist. Right, yeah. He's like, wow, this is just what I needed. What a, what a coincidence that it happens to me today. Right. Um, and uh, so the homily is over. Um, he, he prays. He thanks God, you know, for, for giving him just what he needed and prays for forgiveness for ever having doubted. I mean, it was that strong of an experience as he's listening to this exposition on the Eucharist. Anyways, so then the time comes for communion. And uh, so in the line, and you know, they, they move up in the line, and they get near the front. And as he's getting near the front, getting close to the time when he's going to receive, 
he hears a voice, sort of, but it's, mm-hmm. it's in his head, but it's a voice. Yeah. And it's very simple, uh, but very straightforward and very direct. Neil. So he says, so he thinks to himself, did I just hear that? Yeah. He hears it again. Neil, it's a command. Right. Well, he's not sure he can do it. Because <laughs> he's a convert, right? What is it? <laughs> so he turns to his wife and he says, is it okay? Because nobody else was doing that. Right. Yeah. And so his wife says, yeah, sure, if you want to. But he's still not convinced, I guess, what his wife told him. So when he gets up to, to the priest, he asks the priest. And the priest says, yeah, it, it's okay. So that's what he does. So he receives communion. And then he says he felt a strange warmth uh-huh. kind of come over him. Wasn't sure what that meant. Goes back to the pew, and as he's walking back to the pew, he's got his head, you know, down his eyes. He doesn't want to make eye contact with anybody. Just having kneeled, having knelt when nobody else did. You know, it's like he was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. He felt like, yeah. you know, maybe One he's trying. I'm ah, trying to be holier than everybody yeah. else. So he was embarrassed uh, to, you know, too embarrassed to even make eye contact with anybody. So heads down, not trying to look at anybody. Gets back to his pew, and. Uh, so then he asked his wife for some clean tissues so that they can rewrap his hand. They had just, they wrapped it in like paper towels and this, this red and white kind of a cloth right. thing. And, uh, and uh, that's why, and that was part of the reason why, you know, uh, people had looked at him funny was when he was going up to community because here's this guy, he's got his hand wrapped in this bloody thing, whatever. So he's back at the pew asking his wife for these clean tissues. And he's not looking at his hand, but his wife is. And she says to him, Michael, Look at your hand. So he looks down at his hand, and he said, "This this blood, the blood that was there, um, was receding into his fingers." Oh wow! And he, his fingers were no longer swollen. They had instantly swollen to twice the normal size. At least, yeah. And now they're normal. He had felt tremendous pain the whole time since this event happened, but now realized there was no pain. He doesn't recall exactly like when the pain vanished, but he knew now there's no more pain. So he thought to himself, well, if what I'm seeing is real, I should. You know, this is great. These things happen and you keep questioning, did, did I hear this? Right, did, right, did right. I ima- You're did second I ima- guessing. Did I imagine Neil? I'm looking right. at this. Is this, what, is this. Am I seeing what's really happening? I mean, you just didn't disbelieve. So, uh, you know, he's like, uh, well, I should be able to bend my fingers. If this, if what I'm seeing is true, I should be able to bend my fingers. Mm-hmm. I should be able to find. And of course, they bend just, they're, they're, you know, I mean, there's no problem. So they, he went from being bleeding, bloody, and swollen to using his fingers. Again. To normal, like it never happened. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he swears that he thought his, his one finger was, was completely broken. It was, sure. it was shaped in, the, the, in a shape that matched the door frame. He thought, it was, he thought for sure it was broken. So anyways, but now completely healed, you know, uh, just, what, in a minute? You know, in an instant. And uh, so then the, the Mass is over, and so they wait for everybody to leave, and then they walk up to the priest, and they, you know, tell him what happened. The priest says to him, <laughs> Are you crazy? Are you, are you crazy? <laughs> and he says to him, Well, you know, it's funny, because this morning I kind of got this message that my homily had to be special. And so now Michael understood why this man spoke with, with such passion and conviction. He'd been told that he needed to. So here you've got a situation. This thing's happening to Michael 
I don't know, mile to miles away from the yeah, church. Right. And while that's happening over there, back at the church, the priest is receiving some message that he's got to make his homily a good one today. I mean, you know, it's just a coincidence. I don't know. A personal miracle from this, for God, from this guy, from this priest to this man. Unbelievable. And here's another message. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Kroots. We're here live in studio with Ray Gerard. And the title of this program is Big Little Things, Big Things. Little Things, Big Things. And we're in the middle of a... Uh, story. It's story time. It's story time. Is it an approved uh, miracle? No. Like Not I, yet. No, like I said, this is a, this is a personal anecdote. Yeah. But, you know, there is corroboration with sure. this. Because first, you had the hand as badly injured as it was. Right. You have a witness his wife. So there's corroboration to this. Right. There's a physical manifestation um, of the miracle when the hand completely heals, yeah. and there's a witness. So there is corroboration sure. for this. Now, you know, has this witness given an affidavit to the bishop? I mean, that kind of thing. Well, you know so no, it's process. Th- so it still remains, you know, to my knowledge, sure. a personal anecdote. However, yeah. you know, miracles happen. Right, yeah. Well, a, a great homily. There's, there's, a, there's a good thing, there's right? A, there's a good thing. There's an encouragement. Have, have good homilies. So the priest tells him this. And then he said, the priest tells him, you know, I got this message. So it's funny, you know, funny how that happens. And then he says to him, well, you know what day this is? And he says, well, it's Sunday. <laughs> you know? All right, next question. <laughs> you know? And he says, no, 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 no. He says, this is Corpus Christi Sunday. This is the day we celebrate, the, the one day out of the year, the whole church celebrates the Eucharist. Eh, just another coincidence. Anyways, while this is going on, then a couple of, uh, a couple of women uh, come up to the, the priest and, uh, and Michael and his wife. And they say, you know, we just want to say thank you. And he's, he looks at them and he's like, well, thank me for what? Well, when you knelt like you did, you showed true, true reverence, uh, you know, for, for our Lord. And we just wanted to thank you. So then the priest turned to them and said, you understand what's going on here, okay? Mm-hmm. There's something going on here. Yeah. This isn't just something that is just for you. This isn't just, well, you injured your hand and we're going to heal you because we're going to give you this, we're going to do you a favor, we're going to give you this grace. No. This was something that was, and the priest says this, he says, this was meant for the whole church. Yeah. You know, you knelt, you showed reverence. And remember now, they were sitting in the last pew. Right. Because they had gotten there late. So when they went up to communion and received, everybody else, had already, most, everybody, most everybody else was back in their seats and could see when he knelt. Everybody saw him kneel. Everybody saw him kneel. Yeah. And so the priest is like, there's a reason this all happened as it did. So that's the story. Yeah. So now the question is, okay, well, that's a nice story. And it's nice to have good stories. But is there more to it? You know, this story has as its center the Eucharist, Christ himself. Well, we have different names for Christ. When you have the litany for Christ, he's got many titles. Wonder worker, you know, you know you know, redeemer of the world, et cetera, et cetera. But he's also, we also refer to Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. He said that about himself. The truth. Right. He's the truth. Right. What kind of truth do you think that is? Is it a truth or is it all truth? Yeah. Of course it's all truth. He is. So there 
in the Mass, what was present was all truth. And there was a miracle that was happening. So if that's the case, if physically really present at that moment, at that place, here in our physical, I mean, Christ entered our physical world when he came 2,000 years ago. Well, if the Eucharist is what it is, not what we, you know, I mean, I could say, I almost said it is what we believe it is. No, if the Eucharist is what, what it, it is, is right. then that same Christ is present at every Mass, the Mass you are going to go to, the Mass I'm going to go to, the Mass everybody who goes to Mass tomorrow goes to, that Christ is present. And if he's present, if God himself is present, then there's got to be graces, there's got to be emanations, there's got to be radiances that flow out from him. And if he is truth, there is truth in, I mean, if he's bestowing a special grace in this event, and if miracles are meant to help people believe, as they are, then there's truth in this series of events for us to maybe look a little deeper into and find. And of course, that's the case, right? Miracles are meant to help us believe. Why would I, why otherwise would we get a miracle? Is it just just for the benefit we're going to get in this physical world? Why would God do that? To the, I mean, to God, this physical world, this physical life. I mean, he sees it for what it is. Yeah. What good does the healed hand do if, it, if there isn't faith? Right. You know, that's what a buddy of mine, uh, Monsignor Gaelic, he says, that's the definition of a miracle, is an uh, abundant outpouring, an immediate outpouring of faith. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's probably why miracles happen. If you, are, if you have faith um, and you connect yourself well enough, then perhaps you can you know, receive uh, special grace from God. But, so um, this whole idea that miracles are meant for us uh, to help us believe is not something that we're just um, left to sort of come up with on our own. I mean, Christ said that's what they're for. Um, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, for example. He told his apostles, before they went to see Lazarus in his burial place, he said to his apostles, <laughs> they were a little slow on the uptake, yeah. so, he, so he said to them very plainly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there. Glad for you right. that I was not there, that you may believe. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to perform a miracle. And then when they get there, just before he performs the miracle, he says this. He says, Father, I thank you for hearing me, for I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had, when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So he says this before he performs the miracle, yeah. so that, as he says, right. they, that they may believe. And then, again, for example, like on Palm Sunday, after he had been, you know, escorted into Jerusalem, he's talking to his apostles, and he knows what's coming. I mean, this is Palm Sunday. He's in Jerusalem now. He's making his, he's made his final trip now to Jerusalem. And uh, he confides to them. He says, look, uh, I am troubled now. Yeah, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
Then a voice came from heaven. This is in the Gospel of John. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Of course, he's glorified it throughout the Old Testament in many different ways, and now he's going to glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel had spoken for him. But Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Yeah, it's, miracles are meant to help us believe, to help us not in this life, but to help us believe so that we can, get, so that we can help ourselves uh, toward the next life. So, it's nice. Yeah. You know, we've got a beautiful story. It's a great story. We've got a great story. And we know that miracles are supposed to help us believe. So, what is this story supposed to help us believe? Well, you know, I, I've heard this story before, and I've told this story before, but it was only just recently that I looked at this, and I understood this story in a new way. And what I believe now is that we can believe in this story, we can take from this story certain things that basically are the truth to all life. From this one story, this small little circle of people and events and time, we have uh, the truth to all life. And why not? Because at the center of the story is all truth. Yeah. At the, the Eucharist. Center, is the Eucharist. Yeah. So why not? Um, okay. So how can you know? How can I? How can we say that? That from this one, this little story, we can deduce all truth to life. Well. Take the universe, for example, right? Little things relate to big things. Say you find the smallest physical body, say you the smallest asteroid in the universe, right? And it's going to be affected, you know, if it gets close enough to any larger body, by the force of gravity. You, take, you know, or, you know, it's got its own little force of gravity to itself. And maybe it attracts particles to itself. But there's this law of gravity. I mean, Newton, you know, has this apple fall, fall from, his, from his tree as he's in, I think it was Oxford, Cambridge, and England, 1622 or 40, 1640, whenever it happened. He sees an apple fall. And that law of gravity that he discovered then, or you know, discovered in his own way, that it applies throughout the entire expanse of the universe. That's right. Yeah. There's a there's a truth to what happened to that one little apple that applies everywhere. Little things can relate to big things. There is, and there's a reason for that, because there's an order to things, and so. If we're looking at a small little circle of events in time, and a, you know, a certain small group of people in one particular place at a certain point in time, but Christ is there, all truth is there, and he's manifesting himself in some miracle, there's going to be truth in that. And that truth and that little event is going to be connected to all truth. Um, if, if, in fact, the Eucharist is what the Eucharist is, if it's Christ. So... You know, what can we find in this story? Well, I think three things. I think uh, 
I think you're talking coincidence. Um, I think you're talking about commands. And I think you're talking about uh, consolations. Three C words, right? I guess we'll explain that in a moment. There we are. We're going to come on back. This is Big Things, Little Things. We are on, we have the Feast of Corpus Christi tomorrow. So how apropos. And this is a a Eucharistic miracle, I would say, in a a little different uh, sort of way. We're here with Ray Gerard. And we're talking about, what is this man's name again? Michael Forrest. Michael Forrest. He's just a regular guy. Just a regular guy. So we're going to continue talking about big things, little things, and maybe a little bit about personal Eucharistic miracles. I bet there are a lot of them. So stay tuned. Get a friend. Tell them to tune in. We'll be right back. About two minutes. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. Ray Gerard is with us, and we are talking about big things, little things. Maybe I'll give it a subtitle, The Personal Miracle That Really Impacts a Lot of People. I like little things, big things better. All right, we'll call it little (laughs) things, big things then. All right, but a little big thing, a big little thing we have coming up is the Catholic Man of the Year, St. Louis Catholic Man of the Year. That'll be on June 13th. Please call the station here or go online and um, uh, come and join us for it. The phone number is 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. You won't be sorry. You won't be sorry. I've been to it a couple of years. You? Yeah, I've been, I've been there a couple of years yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. You know, look, it's a way to celebrate the efforts of some really, really good men. And you know what? It's, a, it's an encouragement. I'll tell you one thing about every, every man I've ever met who's been nominated. First thing that comes out of their mouth is, I don't want to be nominated. Oh, sure. You know, and, but we want them to. And we want to honor them and really celebrate them as example. So please call us and join us. It's um, June 13th. 
at the Frontenac Hilton. It'll be a wonderful evening. Uh, the phone number is 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. Or if you would like a copy of this program or any program, call us and help us pay for the postage, and we would be happy to send it to you. All you got to do is pay postage. We'll That's take it. care of the rest. That's it. That's it. So today we're talking about little things, big things, and we're talking about a... Eucharistic miracles. You couldn't uh, call. The, you couldn't call it anything else. I know. Yeah, right on the eve of Corpus Christi. Right on the eve of Corpus Christi, and so where we left off, dear yes. lis- dear listeners, um, was this idea that there's three elements to this story: uh, coincidence, commandment, and consolation. So, what's the coincidence? Well. The funny thing is, you look at the word coincidence, and it comes from the Latin, and that's made up of two parts, C-O-M, com, which means with, okay? One circumstance, one event with another, okay? Get that. Incidere uh, means, it doesn't mean to happen, it means, interestingly enough, to fall. Interesting. To fall from above. It's as if when you have a coincidence, there are two things that that happen with each other, but that they fall from above. It's as if, you know, somehow um, they originated up above. Yeah. Um, And why would that be? You know, well, (laughs) well, what would be above? Well, somebody that knows of these things. God's in charge. God's in charge. Here you've got this guy over, you know, wherever he is at his home, and he's got his hand being slammed in this door. And meanwhile... A couple of miles away, you've got this priest getting some message. You better give a good homily today. I mean, yeah. that doesn't just happen. This and this accident of the door could have happened on any Sunday to this guy Michael, but it happened on this Sunday. There was somebody designing this. Here's a guy who had doubts, and he prayed for help with those doubts. So yeah. what does God do? We're going to slam your hand in the door. <laughs> well, well, and let's go a little bit further. You know, you, you talked about that atheist in the beginning, and one of the th- big arguments I get from atheists are, why does God allow bad things to happen? And, you know, my retort is, well, he, he doesn't, he, he may allow it, he doesn't cause it, but he allows it because we have free will. You know, we do dumb things, we do wrong things. But what God does is good from all things. Oh, yeah. So here, let's say that's, take a stretch, slamming one's hand in a door. Not a good thing. For a you pianist. Would think, you would think. Is a very for bad. A pianist, this guy's a professional pianist. <laughs> is a very, very bad thing. And it's just a coincidence. It happens like Corpus Christi, and he's got faith problems on the Eucharist. That's God makes something very, very good out of it. Sure did. So, what is so? That's the little thing, right? Yeah. You've got a small circle of events, and they just coincidentally happen at the same time. Well, what's the big thing? The big thing is this: just like there's a plan, somebody above that called these, that caused these circumstances to all happen at the same time. There's a bigger plan. I mean, if there's a plan for this, per- for these few people at this particular time in this particular place, it's not an isolated thing that there's only a plan whenever God makes a miracle. I mean, you know, there's a plan. There's an overall plan. There's a plan for you. There's a plan for me. There is a plan for everybody. There is a plan for the human race. So out of this little thing, we can see that there's a plan. And... That is like a law of physics. It applies everywhere. There's an overall plan to all of our lives. Little thing 
big thing. Yeah. Okay, so we got that. Well, that's nice. Okay, so there's a plan to things. All right, so now what? Well, is it interesting that he received this strange message. I mean, he was surprised by it when it happened. I was surprised by it when I first read the story. Maybe you were surprised by it when you were listening to it. All right, he's there, he's about to receive communion, and he's told to kneel. Mm -hmm, It comes out of the blue. And it's so strange to him, he's just not even sure he can do it. Right, not allowed, yeah. You know, it's not something that he would have thought of himself. He, I mean, obviously it came from somewhere besides him, because like I said, this was an idea that was foreign to him. He didn't... So, so he's told to kneel, but he's told to kneel. It's not a suggestion, you know. It's it's not just a thought. It's a command. Yeah, right. It's not you know, please kneel or you know, why don't you kneel? Kneel. And when he asked the second time, they repeat it. It's a repeated. It's a command. Kneel. Okay. So what's the little thing? The little thing is that, you know, he's about to receive the Eucharist. And when he does, he's going to feel this warmth. And this healing is going to take place. But before he does, he needs to pay respect. Yeah. So that's the little thing. He needs to pay respect when he receives the Eucharist on this day. Okay. But there's more to it than that. Um, And it's this idea of why are there commands at all? I mean, why is this person commanded to do this thing? I mean, a lot of people rebel against, you know, the church because the church just commands. The church is just full of rules. You know, we have all these rules. Tell, you can do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. You know, I mean, you look at, for example, the Ten Commandments. They're commandments. Right. You must do this. Correct. Yeah. You know, and you got the first three that are all about paying honor to God. And then you got the next seven that are all about doing right by your fellow man, your parents, anybody else, somebody you might lie to, somebody you might, you know, covet their goods. You don't do that. You treat people well. So the first one, the first three, you honor God. The second seven, you honor people. And there's a, there's a beauty in that, and there's a truth in that. Why do we got to honor other people? I mean, now we're plumbing the depths of why there are commandments. Right. Well, it's to pay respect to other people, not to treat them like dirt, not to use them, but to, and why shouldn't we pay respect to other people? We got to pay respect to God. Remember when Jesus gave, he said, you know, he was asked, hey, Lord, what are the two greatest commandments? You get a choice. You got to pick two. And what does he tell them, right? You know, honor your God and love your neighbor. Right. Um, there's a reason for that. Um, what do we do when we're, I mean, we're, when we pay respect to other people, when we treat them well, when we treat them how we want to be treated, we're giving them glory, so to speak. And why not? There's a spiritual reality, reality to every person we meet. Every person we meet has a soul that is a gift from God. Right. Child and God. We can go even further than that. When you obey these commandments, you're giving glory to yourself. You are saying thank you to God for God's creation. You. Um, if you, if God creates you out of nothing, all of us were created out of nothing, right? If He knows us before we were born, um, and then we take that gift and we, you know, make dirty it all up. That's not very respectful. So when we give, and when we respect ourselves, we're giving glory. I mean, that's another way 
of giving glory to God. I mean, St. Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? In another place, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him. In love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ in accord with the favor of his will for the praise and glory of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. We are meant for adoption to God. There's only one way that that can, that can work. We've got to be ready. We've got to, Catholic Church believes in purgatory. Why? Because we've got to get purified so that, we're, so that we're presentable to God. If we're going to get that close to God, I mean, in the Old Testament, you get near the fire, you die. You know, you have to be, uh, you have to be prepared. You have to be presentable. You keep yourself clean. When you keep yourself clean, you obey the commandments. You're, you know, you're making yourself presentable to be a member of the body of Christ. I mean, there's a reason why we have commandments. And so, if, if, if this is true, then maybe we can distill it down to, this, down to this notion. Okay, there's a plan. And there's not just a plan for like small little events and small little circles of events and people in time. But there's a plan for our entire lives. The message here, I think, is we need to do something. The church teaches that God is waiting. For, God wants a response. The whole Bible is a story of the revelation of God, and it's calling for a response from us. We have to do something. We can't just sit there. We have to participate in the plan. We have to act. So here's Michael Forrest. He gets a commandment. Kneel. He does it. He obeys. There's a plan. He's going, to get the, he's going to receive this miraculous healing. But he's told, when he's not even expecting it, you have to do something. If you're going to get this consolation from us, um, from the, you know, if, if, the, if, if God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is going to you know, bestow on you some great blessing, uh, we want you to do something first. You have to act. You have to exercise your free will. Now, it's a command, but you have to respond. So he does. Okay. So, so far we've got a plan, and we've got the need for us to respond. Okay. Then what? What's the, what's the third thing in the story? Well, he gets a consolation. Hmm. His hand is healed. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. That's the little thing. His hand is healed. What about the big thing? Well, if the big things in this story, if the bigger truths that the story is leading us to, that there is a plan for each one of us for our entire lives, and that we need to participate in that plan, um, then there's also going to be a consolation waiting for us like there was for Michael. Well, what's the consolation if we live our lives in a way where we participate in his plan for us? Well, I think, you know, I think that's pretty clear. Salvation eternal salvation, the biggest consolation of all. I mean, these miracles are meant to help us believe. This can help us believe, you know, that, hey, if we look for this, you know, look and try to understand the plan that God has for us, and then we try to participate in it, he will bless us. I mean, those are simple truths, but they apply 
to far extents. They apply to our entire life. Just like the laws of science apply throughout the universe, these, these little teachings can apply to help us understand the purpose, the truth for our entire life. And it's amazing, just in this one little story, you can see these things. And if you look at them, and you, know, you can see this truth. If a miracle is supposed to help you believe, and if this miracle is supposed to do the same, maybe this is what it's supposed to help us believe. And it's belief. I, I don't know if you hear yourself saying this, but you, you're a, you're a, almost quoting uh, the Gospel of John where our Lord says, if you believe, you will have eternal life. But if you are disobedient, you will have my wrath. So he's equating not only belief with unbelief, the opposite. No, he's saying belief is the positive, And what's the negative of belief? disobedience. So what you said, you have to do something with that belief. Mm, that's interesting. Disobedience is the, yeah, is the second part of that. You know, what's the opposite? It's disobedience, it's right? Disobedience. It's, not, it's not unbelief. No, it's disobedience. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you keep saying all the way through this talk. Well, then, well, then maybe maybe we're, we're on to the right, right I track. I think so. We're on the right road <laughs> here. So, um, so anyways, so what are we to do with this story, right? So here we've got this little, and by the way, isn't this, a, isn't this a, a, a funny thing? And it's a funny thing that seems to always happen. But there are these things that are hiding in plain sight. Here's this yeah, guy. Right, yeah. And he didn't want to tell this story for a long time afterwards. And finally, he was um, made to understand, some friends helped him understand, that he should put this story out there. And so he posted it on the internet. But he was kind of embarrassed about it. And I think a lot of people have Eucharistic experiences. I think so. And they don't want to talk about them. But when you get them to talk about them, all of a sudden, when you get on the subject and you're in a group and you're talking, and all of a sudden people start to come out with things and you realize, you know, a lot of people have experiences of one sort or another. But, you know, we're just afraid to talk about them. Yeah. But if they're meant for other people, if Mary, you know, if, if these, you know, ex expressions of God's love for us with these special blessings that we get in one way or another, um, whether it's just an inspiration during, you know, adoration or, or something, you know, something more dramatic, um, you know, I mean, they're meant for us to, you know, maybe the, some of them, some of them may be just meant just for us alone, but some of them may be meant uh, for other people that we can perhaps help believe if we talk about them. You're absolutely right. And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and here we are with Ray Gerard, and we're talking about big things, little things. You know, you, you're talking about those Eucharistic miracles. Maybe I'll ask our audience to think about it. You know, I knew a man from Kansas City, and he was in a time of crisis, and he was going up to communion, and he received communion and he looked into the eyes of the priest, and he, as you said, he was overcome with this sense of peace as he received the Eucharist. And he, he went back to his pew, uh, and, he, and he looked again up at this priest. It wasn't the man he got communion from. The man he got communion from had these deep blue eyes and this gentle voice. That was not the man. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, you can say it's coincidence. It's, it's uh, something you're imagining. I, you know, I didn't see. His life changed from that oh. moment on. Really? Yeah. So I, I think there are big changes and little changes in our lives 
we all, well, not all, but many of us probably have these little Eucharistic miracles. Maybe we need to share them. I think, too, if you spend time in adoration, right? Um, I think you open yourself up to things like that, whether they're just thoughts that bring you a peace in your heart, uh, whether there's something more dramatic, like something you might, you know, uh, something that you like hear or see or, or something, some very special event like that, or, you know, whether it's just a more simple kind of a thing that you have more thoughts of peace in your heart, you know, but if you go to adoration and spend time with him, I, I think you, you make yourself available to those kinds of things. I think you will. Look, if you would like a copy of this program or any program, please give us a call at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000, and we would be happy to send it to you. Yeah, adoration, you know, one more word about that. Why do we do it? Why do we spend an hour in adoration? You know, I, I and I don't know if this is official. I always think that uh, I remember back when our Lord came back to see the apostles sleeping while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, "Couldn't you even pass an hour with me?" And and that's what I think of adoration. It's the hour. I'm passing an hour with our Lord, just him and me in silence, <laughs> so I can listen because I do too much talking. Often it's good to do some listening when God is involved. So I'll put a plug in for adoration. If you have an adoration chapel, sign up for a regular hour. Do it. If you don't, look, the church is usually open. Go in and have an hour of adoration just in front of the, the tabernacle. Yeah, you know, and uh, the funny thing about that story you just mentioned was, you know, we often you hear that, the story of Peter. Well, you know, he denies him three times. And then, of course, later after Christ rises from the dead, he gives Peter a chance to atone for it. Three times he asks him, hey, do you believe in me? Um, but, you know, the story you refer to is where, you know, other apostles, um, you know, betrayed him in a, in a less dramatic way. Um, but they couldn't even stay away just for an hour. An hour. And this is the, this is a terribly critical moment for him. He knows what's going to happen to him. He's sweating blood because he's so distraught. Uh, this is the pivotal moment of all human history. Right. He's on the eve of it. He's on the very verge of it. He's praying to God, as we should all do if we're on the eve of, of some you know momentous event or, or some troubled time in our lives. And his apostles. They leave him. They abandon him, so to speak, by falling mm -hmm. asleep. Right. Um, so they're all complicit in uh, falling away from Christ when he needs them. Uh, so it's not just Peter. And it's all of us. Yeah. And so but what happens? Well, he, he accepts them all. Right. He accepts them all. Um, and uh, so anyways, so... You know, what are we supposed to do? Here we are. So tomorrow is Corpus Christi Sunday. That's right. Tomorrow is Corpus Christi Christ Solemnity. And uh, so, you know, if you've been listening to this story and you go to church tomorrow, and that's fine. You, re you receive communion. Maybe you think of this story. But, you know, is communion going to be any different for you? I mean, is it just, you know, I mean, does commun communion sometimes gets to, well, it gets to be routine. And we really don't what it is. And it's Maybe the story might, might help you a little bit to think about it differently. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, maybe we could maybe we could give our listeners a, a suggestion. Yeah. And if we're going to give them a suggestion, I think the one that I might give is uh, one that St. Teresa of Avila gave. And she said this. She said, When you have received Holy Communion, close your bodily eyes so that you may open the eyes of your soul. 
then look upon Jesus in the center of your heart. So maybe tomorrow when you receive communion, you talk to your soul and you tell it to open its eyes. Maybe you close the eyes in your head and you talk to your soul and you tell your soul, open your eyes. And as you're doing that, look into your heart into the, and see Jesus right there in the center of it because that's where he is. I mean, I mean this is not, um, this is not make-believe. He's, there's a story, there's a, a nun, her name is Sister uh, Bridge uh, McKenna, and she tells a story where one time she went to communion. By the way, I got a million of them. Like, isn't that Jimmy Durante? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. showing I'm showing myself to be yeah. pretty old now. Uh, but he, I, I got a million of them. Um, so uh, another little Eucharistic story. Um, Sister Bridge McKenna was coming back from communion one time. And uh, she went to her pew, and she's kneeling in prayer, and she, see, she has a vision. And she sees this tent. And it's a ragged, dirty tent with a lot of holes in it. And Jesus is going inside. And, you know, I mean, for example, like uh, in the Old Testament, right? They, didn't they, they had the ark inside a, a tent. I mean, that That's was right. where God was housed inside the tent. That's right. So Jesus is about to go inside this tent. And it's a dilapidated, shaggy, you know, terrible-looking tent. So she's telling him, don't go. You know, she's, <laughs> she's not, don't go in there. And he looks at her and he says, no, no. Uh, what are you talking about? I live here. And instantly she got this understanding. The tent was her. Uh. She um, was, a, was a, a human, a person of, of sin. She was tattered. She had holes, you know. But Christ was still um, going to live with her. And so it's a very powerful little event. And so, you know, we can see Jesus inside of us. So tomorrow, you know, I think that's what I'm going to try to do. I, I talk to my soul and, uh, you know, tell it to open its eyes and look um, and look into, you know, and I, if I were to make a suggestion to people, let's do the same. Yeah. Uh, try to open the eyes of your soul, look into your heart and, you know, try to see Jesus there because what, as it says, if you look you shall find. There you are. Yeah. And maybe maybe today, today is Saturday, today go to confession, tomorrow go to the Eucharist. And maybe it's more like a first communion. I remember during pandemic, I was probably away from Mass for how long were we? I don't know, eight weeks or, or something sure, like that. Yeah. That was the longest I'd ever been away from Mass. And I don't know how long. I know. It was like a new first communion. I mean, I, I wept at, after getting, I, it was, it was amazing. I mean, and sure, as we look sure. at our churches today, so many of them are not as full as they used to be. Maybe oh, yeah. this is the day, maybe this is the time where we say, it's time to go back to the Eucharist. Look, if I told you I know where Jesus Christ is going to show up tomorrow morning, <laughs> would you move heaven and earth to be there? How, how, uh, how true, right? How true. <laughs> Tomorrow, I can tell you exactly where Jesus Christ will be, and he wants to be part of you. Please be part of him. So come back and join us next time. Call us if you'd like a copy of this program or another. Invite people to go to the Catholic Men for Christ in a week or so. And please go and celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi 
tomorrow. God bless you all. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.